with the Grubhub delivery app? If you want it all, you can get it all. Grubhub. Restaurants you love. Delivered. Okay, now that everybody's hungry, I'm Mark, uh, Mark Smith. I'm not the normal preacher, so if you're joining us as a visitor or online, uh, I don't do this for a living. Uh, I get the occasional opportunity to do this. I haven't done it for a little while, Um, but um, as David said, Mike, our regular preacher, is uh, they're off celebrating Thanksgiving with their family, uh, if I'm not mistaken, down in uh, the Carolinas someplace. Uh, So, last couple of weeks, Mike's been going, we've been going through a series called Making Change, and over the course of the last few weeks, he's talked about less is more. Stress is bad. We all know stress is bad. And giving is good. <clears throat> the, side, the, the, the section that I get to cover today is tomorrow matters. <clears throat> and part of the reasoning of playing that video um, is the thought process of tomorrow matters. Um, these series, the, the series that we've been going through is somewhat a financial series as well as a spiritual series. Um, and Tomorrow Matters applies very well to both sides of that coin. Um, as you saw, as you listened to that video, uh, it drives home very much what is a part of our world today. You got to have everything right now. Can't wait. It's got to be faster. Hurry up, get it done. Uh, All those things that are a part of our world today. And I think about, you know, in my case, tomorrow matters. Uh, I've got three little granddaughters in the back that I think about where the future uh, that they are looking at is going. Uh, And indeed, tomorrow does matter. Tomorrow matters in a lot of contexts. Uh, It matters for us financially. It matters for us as a country and what we stand for. And it matters for a church, even a local body like this, as we face the future and think about where we're going to be in the next 10, 15, 20 years um, if God waits that long to return. Um, So part of what I want to talk about this morning is uh, our processing of those Uh, thoughts. Um, You'll see up before you, um, well, David's got to advance it. He didn't leave the thing up here. Uh, Plan, prepare, and patience. There's kind of the three aspects of tomorrow matters that I would like to discuss this morning. You know, you think about your financial, your personal financial future and where you desire to be. You know, for me, I'm getting up in years. My thoughts kind of focus around retirement. And, you know, how am I going to get there? How am I going to be able to do that um, is part of the plan that I need to put in place uh, to be able to do that very thing. And for me to begin that plan at this point in the game would be very tough. You know, it's something you need to start way early in life. But we don't think about it so much early in life. Uh, you know, when, when I was a very young man, uh, fresh out of school, beginning my career, retirement was a long way from anything I was thinking about. Uh, you know, then I was more of the I want it all mindset. You know, 
what can I, what can I get today? Uh, and of course, if, if we live in that mindset, uh, we'll find very quickly that our money will disappear pretty quickly. <clears throat> so we have to put forth some sort of planning uh, as we think about our future. And that planning should re uh, really include, you know, setting forth goals. Where do you want to be? You know, where do I want to be 10 years from now? Well, hopefully 10 years from now, I'm not going to be working. I'll be done working and I can enjoy retirement. Uh, do I still want to be in this general area 10 years from now or do I want to live somewhere else? Do I want to own a home in 10 years? Or at that point, do I want to live in an RV and just roam through the country? You know, to some people, that's an exciting thought. Uh, but they're all things that need to be part of the process that we begin to put together as we look towards the future. <clears throat> in Proverbs, one of the smartest men that ever lived, Solomon writes this for us. In Proverbs 21 uh, and verse 5, it says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. <clears throat> there is a Recent survey out that shows that within this country, about 61% of the population live paycheck to paycheck. It's kind of hard to plan for the future if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and in that thought process, you know, it, it's, it's tough, I can tell you. I know early on in my years, I was there. When you start out, you're not making bundles of money, generally speaking. Uh, you have to begin a process of planning. You have to begin a process of uh, how you budget your money and how you spend your money. <clears throat> and uh, in that process, uh, you know, as Solomon wrote for us, a diligent plan or a diligent worker, um, as they work through the process, are going to be able to get where they want to be uh, at some point. <clears throat> and the thing that a lot of us don't get is you start small. Um, you know, when I, when I started earning a living, let's go way, way back, you know, when I was a young man still in school, back then mowing grass was a big thing. You see, I'm going to date myself. But, you know, you've got a couple of neighbors and you, you've offered to mow their yard for them to earn a little bit of money. Um, and that money was your spending money in a lot of cases. And I'm going to really date myself because I had a neighbor that I mowed his grass. It took me about two hours to mow his yard, to do all the trimmings, all that good stuff. Got paid $5. I was making big money. <laughs> Try and pay somebody to do that today. It won't happen. But even at that, the money that I earned doing that, my parents taught me at an early age, set aside a little bit of it, save some of it. And in those days, you know, just before high school, before my driver's license time came aboard, a uh, big thing I wanted to have in those days was a 10-speed bicycle. And, you know, the deal was if I wanted a 10-speed bicycle, I had to earn the money to buy it. Uh, the goal was out there. I wanted this bicycle. 
and the goal was set before me. Here's how much it costs. You got to save the money to get it. And that's part of the process of planning. Uh, just as the process now of planning for me is planning for retirement and being able to put some things away and get ready for that. <clears throat> so I set the goal out there. I knew how I was going to begin to attain it in in my world that day. It was, you know, working for my allowance. It was mowing the neighbor's yard. It was doing little odd jobs that I could to make a little money to put toward the purchase of that bicycle. And eventually I got there. I got enough money together that I could buy that bicycle. <clears throat> and I ran the wheels off of that thing more than once. But that's good. Uh, I got good use out of it. In fact, I still own it. So it's, it's still okay. I still ride it once in a great while. Uh, but you think about that process. You think about that methodology for deciding where you want to go, what you want to accomplish. Apply that to your spiritual life. How many of you have set a goal where you want your spiritual life to go? How many of you have actually thought about that? And it will change over time. You know, if you'd have told me 20 years ago that I'd be standing before a group, per se, preaching, I'd have laughed at you. Not a chance. I did not have any confidence or comfort zone to be in front of people talking at that point in the game. But as a new Christian, there was an excitement there to tell people about Jesus. Now, I wasn't confident enough at that point to be the one to do the one-on-one -on -one conversations to get you know deeply involved with winning somebody to Jesus Christ. But I was excited about getting them here inviting people to come and to hear the Word, inviting people to come and see what it was all about to be around Jesus Christ and around His followers. <clears throat> and that, in those early days, that was the plan. And, you know, a lot of us here in that body, in the body back in those days can kind of remember we canvassed this area. We would take a Saturday, we'd go out and we'd put flyers in people's mailboxes. We'd go door to door, knock on doors, meet people, ask, invite, those kinds of things. <clears throat> don't do too much of that anymore. A lot of people don't take real kindly to that. Um, but that was in that day and time, that was a great methodology for spreading the word of Jesus Christ. As time progressed, obviously things change a little bit. You know, here we are today, I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to I don't know how many people live on the, on the internet, okay? When the pandemic arose a few years ago, and everything got shut down, we had to come up with a process. We had to put together a plan how we were going to keep moving forward. And part of that plan, thankfully, we have some people that are way more technologically advanced than I am. We come up with a methodology to be able to stream our services. Um, and at that point in time, when everything was closed down, all we were doing was streaming. But it still gave us the opportunity to reach out to other people and be able to share Jesus Christ with them. We had a plan in place. <clears throat> our plan, again, they change, they alter over the course of time. We're in the process of, as David you know, mentioned, we're going to have our first 
dinner that we've had for a while. All that kind of stuff, you know, the pandemic kind of put a halt to everything that was going on. And it's taken time to get things back to a regular sense, if you will. Um, so part of what we need to do is continue to tweak that plan of how we're going to get people to know and understand Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and again, you know, I encourage every one of you, think a little bit about your personal plan for where you want to be, what you want to be doing for Jesus Christ, where your spiritual life is going to take you. Because my plan may not be your plan. And fortunately, a lot of good ideas usually come up with a good plan. You know, one of the things that I really, and I've said this before, that I would really like to see this group be able to accomplish, I had the, the privilege a few years ago to make a couple mission trips with another church. We went down and we were working in the, out, uh, in the aftermath of Katrina. We were hands-on down there um, rebuilding some houses. I uh, had an opportunity to go down to the Dominican Republic and do some work down there. To me, that was very satisfying. To know that I could physically go out and help other people in that format was a very satisfying thing for me. I enjoyed it. And part of what we did on those trips as we were out, it was not only a physical helping, but we had our opportunities for a spiritual gathering. Um, you know, down in the Dominican, every night we would gather and have a little Bible study within the group down there. Um, and we invited the locals in. Um, we went to visit some of their churches over the courses of, of the time that we were down there. Same thing when we were down in, uh, we actually stayed in Mississippi um, after Katrina. But we had the opportunity to have small group studies small Bible studies and be able to interact with the community that was there in that process. That to me is still a passion. I would love to be able to put together the church that I uh, got to travel with um, as far as the local in the States group. They had a van, they had a trailer, they loaded the van full of people and away we went. Uh, we had about 20 of us in, in this van that went down to work. I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. <clears throat> and that has been in the back of my mind a plan to be able to accomplish out of this group uh, at some point in time, even if it's on a very local level, uh, to be able to put forth a physical mission of that nature. But that's my plan. That's my spiritual plan. Your spiritual plan could be entirely different. And I know I can see some of you sitting there and you're thinking, man, I can't talk to people about Jesus. Okay? Maybe you're not comfortable talking to people about Jesus. But just as my very early days, your plan might simply be to invite them to church. Invite them to a small group study. Invite them to hear the Word. <clears throat> so think about... For yourselves, think about where the future indeed uh, could be taking you. Second part of the process is preparation. In the realm of finances, as I said, preparation is a big, big part of it. Um, and, it, you know, let's face it, the best route, start small and work your way up. <clears throat> as I said, you know, survey shows that 
People are living paycheck to paycheck. A large portion of our population are living paycheck to paycheck. <clears throat> Look at your budget. Look at your finances. Look at your expenditures. Look at your income. You know, budgets ideally are balanced. Budgets in the world today, in most cases, are not. Uh, even our own church budget, you know, we, we began the process of our budget for the next year. Um, and, you know, income versus expenditures should be equal. We're not there. I mean, we've been struggling the last few years on a financial uh, point to be able to keep everything going. Um, we've had a lot of generous donations that have helped with that. Um, but if we look at where our budgeted income was for last year versus what our actual income is going to be for the year, uh, we're pretty well below what we budgeted. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll adjust accordingly in the upcoming year. But that plays into our personal budgeting as well. You know, God gave us uh, a pretty easy rule, or it's been set out there a pretty easy rule to um, try and get your budget to, that being the 10-10-80 rule. 10% goes to God, 10% you should try to save, and the other 80% is yours to pay bills, spend, do whatever you want with. Now, granted, again, if you're in a situation where you're living paycheck to paycheck, that's kind of tough. Start small. And when I became a Christian, I didn't give 10% right off the bat. I worked my way up to that. <clears throat> when I started earning money, I didn't save 10% off the bat. Work your way up to it. When I think about retirement, <clears throat> you know, I've been fortunate. Companies that I've worked for have all had retirement plans, so they take a little chunk of your money if you sign up for it. They take it before you ever see it, which is the best way to get it saved. Uh, <laughs> Now, then you rely on, which is unfortunate today in some cases when I look at some of my retirement funds, is you rely on somebody else to manage that money for you. Uh, you know, with the stock market being what it is, a lot of these funds are not so good looking right now. Uh, but again, that's part of our diligence to keep an eye on that. You know, we're supposed to rely on somebody else to do that for us, but they don't necessarily always do such a great job. But the preparation is there. I put away a little bit of money every pay period. Uh, it goes into a retirement fund. Hopefully it'll be in a good shape when I'm ready to retire that there'll be enough there for me to retire on. Same way with our stakes in supporting the local body. You put a portion in. Um, as time moves along, you can increase that portion that you're giving to the church. God will bless that. God has blessed me over the years when I thought I couldn't do 10%, and I did it anyway, and He has always come through and fulfilled any issues that would arise. So God is very faithful. <clears throat> but preparation is a big, big thing. Um, again, looking at the book of Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs 6, um, He tells us, of all things, go to the ant. How many of you ever watched ants? I mean, they're diligent little workers. They're irritating little guys, especially if they're getting into your house. Um, but on that note, you know, we had a little issue with ants at our house earlier this year, and we got some of those little bait traps. And that's a great way to see how diligent the ant is. 
Because they're in there, they grab some of that bait, and they're gone. And it's just like a line of them doing this. And, you know, you read what Solomon wrote. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Love that word. <clears throat> Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores up provisions in summer and gathers its food at the harvest. The ant knows it's got to prepare to get through winter. The ant's not stupid. He's gathering enough food and he's stashing it away so that he's going to make it through the winter. He's preparing. At our house, we like to watch the squirrels. We feed the squirrels. And, and it's fun to watch them. You know, we put out peanuts for them. And we started buying raw peanuts. That's how we found out what the squirrels do with most of their peanuts. You watch some of them, they'll sit there and they'll just eat and eat and eat till they look like they can't go any further. But you'll see some of them that'll come, they'll grab a peanut and they're gone. And a couple minutes later, they're back, they grab another one, they're gone. Well, you know, as the summer progressed, we figured out what they were doing with all the peanuts because we had peanut plants sprouting up in all the gardens. So, you know, they're, they're diligent in a sense. They just need to make themselves a map so they know where they buried all these so they can come back and get them later on. But the squirrel is kind of the same way. They prepare for the upcoming winter. They hide food away. They stash food away. They get ready for winter. They have a plan in place, uh, and they make the due preparations. <clears throat> for us, again, thinking about our finances, and I am in no way, shape, or form a financial expert. I've sat through some financial seminars, and one of the big things that most of them will tell you is kind of the same principle as saving money. Pick out your smallest debt, pay it off. The money that you were paying to that, you go to the next biggest debt and you work your way up the ladder. As long as you're not refilling the debt with new debt, you get it paid off. And you gain financial freedom, which is something that a lot of people in this country do not ever get a chance to experience. <clears throat> Another seminar I went to put forth this idea, and they used car payments as an example. But if you have a car payment of $400 a month, you make your regular payment, make your regular payment, you get to the end of it, hopefully the car is still usable, and you've paid it off, continue to pay yourself the car payment. Put it away in a savings account, put it away somewhere. Um, and, and the idea of this particular seminar was that way when you need to buy the next car, you've accumulated a pretty healthy down payment toward the next car, uh, which helps lower how much you're going to pay and process continues. <clears throat> but all of them require diligence and they require you to put together the plan of how you're going to get there and make the preparations. <clears throat> now, when you talk about preparation for a plan and we think about our spiritual lives, we have to begin with Jesus himself. What was the first thing Jesus did when he began his ministry? If we turn to Matthew chapter 4, first thing he did, go start recruiting his disciples. Jesus knew he only had a set period of time to be here to make an effect on the world. But he also knew after he departed this world, the work needed to continue. And 
as in Matthew 4, we read, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, that he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting their nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. <clears throat> they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. They immediately left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus pulled out 12 individuals that he gave them the inner teaching, if you will. They spent some three years with Jesus, seeing what he did, watching how he taught the people, learning from Jesus. Jesus was making preparation for the work to continue after he went back to heaven. Preparation that would be so important for us today. You know, if it wouldn't be for those beginnings of preparation, good chance we would not have the written word that we can look at. We would not have the opportunity to know as much about Jesus Christ as we know about him today. <clears throat> so it was very important. And, and as I said, Jesus knew. He knew his time on earth. He knew how long he had to be able to teach these guys. And he spent some three years teaching them to be ready to take on the work once he departed. And then we come to the easiest part of the whole thing, being patient. Everybody here has that one down pat, right? We're all so patient. We all want it now. We all want it yesterday. How many of you order stuff from Amazon? Or any other online grouping? Okay. What do you get when you get to the end of it and you go to check out? What do you find generally? You want three day shipping? You want two day shipping? You want tomorrow shipping? We'll date some of you. How many of you remember FedEx when they came blasting on the scene? What was their slogan? When it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. That was their slogan. That's what got them noted. And they made, they made a whole series of hilarious commercials. But it was all about how fast they could get your package to where you needed it to be. <clears throat> Patience. We haven't got any of it. Uh, you know, our, our, our goals are uh, for us to think about long-term goals, i.e. things like being able to retire. You know, we should have that money right now. We should be able to be rich right now so we don't have to worry about retiring. When I was a younger guy and putting money away, I kind of thought that. You know, not necessarily right now, but I knew that it was going to accumulate. And, you know, here I am 40, 50 years later. It hasn't accumulated like I'd hoped it would, but it's still more than it was when it started. But it takes patience, you know. <clears throat> There's a little uh, exercise out there that I was reading about, and I did the math to see if it actually was right. If I gave you a choice, you could have a million dollars today or a penny that doubled in value every day for 30 days, which one would you take? Somebody's smart. 
Most people would jump on the million dollars today. But if you do the math, that penny that doubled in value every day, you'd have, in the end of 30 days, you'd have $5.3 million. I don't know what they're putting that money in that gets it to double like that, but I got a penny I could give them. <clears throat> but again, it plays into the mindset of today. We want it now. We can't wait. We got to have it. So the planning and the preparation, you know, they're not there. We want the instant gratification. <clears throat> and that's where patience is such an important thing. 1 Timothy 6 says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and, in, and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. <clears throat> you get that instant dollar, and you're real quick to spend a dollar and a half. You know, and that's, that's kind of where Paul was going with that for Timothy. The love of money. Money itself is, you know, a lot of people like to say that money is evil. Money is not evil. It's the love of money that, that is the problem. Because then you begin to put that in the forefront of everything you think about. And scriptures tell us our forefront thinking should be Jesus Christ, God, and how we can serve Him. Money's secondary. Money means so much to God that when we get to heaven, we're going to walk around on streets of gold. That's how much value He puts in money. It's asphalt. <clears throat> so our opportunities uh, and our capacity to use patience become a part of our training, if you will. And we need to think about that as parents, as grandparents. Uh, you know, part of our duty and our responsibility is to teach our children and our grandchildren. And some of that teaching is exactly these sorts of things, that it takes some patience, some planning, some preparation to reach the goals that you want to reach. You can't have everything right now. And unfortunately, we have a generation that is coming up on, I got to have everything right now, and I get everything right now. <clears throat> so again, you think about that's all fine and good for your financial well-being. How about your spiritual well-being? <clears throat> How patient are you with your spiritual well-being? How patient are you with your plans for where you see yourself spiritually? How patient are you with the people that you talk to about Jesus Christ? Well, they don't get it. They should get it right now. For us, growing ourselves spiritually. You know, if you have a plan of where you want to be 10 years from now spiritually, do you see yourself being that individual that can teach others? Do you see yourself being that individual that can go out there and profess Jesus Christ to people, even if it's just to invite them to church? That may be something you're not comfortable with today but you see that as being part of where you want to be. How do you get there? What do you do? <clears throat> Coming here on Sunday morning and listen to somebody talk to you for 20 minutes, that's a good start. But that's all it is, is a start. 
you know. This is where we take our opportunities for small group studies. Individually or corporately, we have Bible school lessons in the mornings. We have some pretty interesting discussions back in our Bible school classes. <clears throat> but we have those opportunities. There's Sunday evening opportunities. Um, you know, small group studies is a great place to begin to learn more effectiveness in the world of teaching and, and, and growing in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and to grow our patience, to think about patience, you know, patience is one of the uh, uh, fruits of the Spirit. God calls our Jesus Paul. I'll get it in a minute. Paul spells out the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and one of those fruits of the Spirit is indeed patience. It's, it's something that we should be trying to grow in uh, and have grow in us uh, on a regular basis. <clears throat> you think about patience itself, you think about where we're at today, you know, we're some 2,000 years past Jesus Christ coming to this earth and dying for us. <clears throat> and the proclamation that John the Baptist made when he saw Jesus was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, at that point, the earthly kingdom of heaven was, in fact, at hand. Jesus Christ came, did what the Father had commanded of him, and went back to heaven. And we've been anxiously waiting Jesus' return. We're 2,000 years anxiously awaiting Jesus' return. Why? Because our God's patient. 2 Peter 3 and 9 tells us this. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient. There's that word again. With you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's not slow about keeping His promise. God has a plan. God has made the preparation. And thankfully, God is patient because that gives us the opportunity to do what we're supposed to do, and that is to try to win souls to Jesus Christ. You know, He tells us right there that He desires everyone to come to repentance. Not some. He's not going to get everybody. We know that. But he wants as many as possible. And that's our job, folks. Jesus is not physically here on this earth anymore. He's left us behind to do his work. He's left us behind to carry the torch. That's part of the plan that God had in place. That's part of the preparation that Jesus made by training those 12 disciples over three years. And thankfully, that's part of the patience that our God has that He has not destroyed this world again yet. <clears throat> but that day is coming. <clears throat> and when it comes, there'll be no mistaking. <clears throat> I'll close today with this thought out of Matthew, one of the parables that Jesus Christ uh, gave us. It's the parable of the ten virgins. <clears throat> it says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven, he's telling a, a parable, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be 
uh, like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but not, did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, <clears throat> and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him uh, to the wedding banquet. Banquet. The door was shut. <clears throat> Later, others came also. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, that I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. <clears throat> Good application for us, both physically and spiritually. Financially, we need to get ourselves prepared. You know, a lot of people look at the Scriptures, and you know, God tells us in there that He'll take care of us, that He provides for us. He also tells us to be prepared. And that Preparation is, in our world today, financial. And that preparation, especially for us in the world today, is spiritual. We don't know the day or the hour when Jesus Christ is going to return. The only one that knows that is God. It could be this afternoon. But if we rely on it being this afternoon and sell everything we own, and it doesn't come this afternoon, where are you? So preparation is important in our physical sense. Spiritually, we need to be ready. God doesn't promise us tomorrow. He tells us that. He could come back today. He could come back this afternoon. And where does that find you? Are you ready? Do you have the plan in place for where you want to be a day from now, a week from now? A year from now? Are you making preparations to attain your plan? Is that plan your salvation? Is that plan somebody's salvation that you know? Are you planting seeds? Are you watering? Are you growing? God gives us a tremendous example of planning. God tells us how to be prepared. God tells us what to do. <clears throat> he tries to teach us to be patient. We're not so good at that. But we need to be. God has set forth for us a way and a capacity to spend eternity with Him. And that's what it's all about. Jesus came to this earth to die so that we would have the opportunity to spend eternity with Him. And I'd be very upfront and honest with you folks. If you're not with Jesus, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And if you go to the book of Revelation and read a little bit about hell, ain't a place you want to be. Not a place I want to be. Okay? That's the stark reality. When it comes to the end of times, you're either going to be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. And that's a choice that you have capacity to make.
by being a follower of Jesus Christ or ignoring Jesus Christ. We're going to take time now, as we do each week, to partake of communion. And again, when you think about planning, when you think about what God had in mind to be able to bring salvation to the world, the plan was there from the beginning. The plan was there from creation. God knew that it would require His Son to die on a cross for us to have the opportunity of eternal life. John writes this for us in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is Jesus speaking. In the Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you you to be with me uh, that you may also be where I am. And you know the way to the place that I am going. The plan, again, was there. The preparation, well, you know what? Jesus hasn't come back yet, so he's still preparing that mansion. And you look at the world around you, you know, we talked a little bit in our Bible school class about what a beautiful fall this was. If you looked at the the gorgeousness of the leaves as they changed colors, it was. It was a very attractive fall around here. Man, that pales in comparison to what's getting prepared for us. Jesus has been away 2,000 years putting this mansion together for us to hang out in. Can you imagine what it's going to look like? My little brain can't fathom it. But it's going to be a tremendous place. And before Jesus left, he knew how forgetful man is. So he instituted this sacrament of Holy Communion so that we would have an opportunity weekly to remember what He did on the cross, to remember the price that He paid, to remember the sacrifice He made, to remember the victory that He attained on day three when He arose, and to remember that He did all that for me, for you. Let's give thanks for the emblem. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today for an opportunity to come around your table, for an opportunity to pay tribute to your Son and that tremendous sacrifice that He was willing to make for us. Father, to thank you that you had the plan in place, that you made the preparations. And God, we know that in fact you are patiently waiting for that day when you will send Him back. God, now we ask your blessings on these emblems that represent the body and blood of Jesus. We pray that through this experience of fellowship, that indeed you'll help each one of us to become just a little more Christ-like. We praise you and we thank you, and we ask all things in Jesus' name. Amen. The small piece of loaf that you have is a representation of the body of Jesus Christ, willingly given for you and I. Let's partake. The cup, likewise, is a representation of the blood that he shed that day, the blood with the power to wash away sin, the blood that opened the doors to salvation, and indeed, the blood that represents that promise He made. He's coming back. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but He promises us He's coming back. We live long enough, 
we'll watch him open this guy up from this side. If we've already passed on, we're going to watch him open the sky from the other side. But you know what? That's going to be one great day. That's protection. <clears throat> Thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, we do have uh, an area in the back that if you have brought it, came prepared with an offering, we have a tray in the back that you can drop that off. We also have a secure online portal that you can use for offerings. Uh, I want to thank everybody for your attention. Um, we'll close with a word of prayer, and then I'll let you guys out of here. Quit trying to run away, Bobby. <clears throat> Our Father, dear God, we thank you today again for this opportunity we could be together, and we pray, Father, that we've had opportunity to think about your word, your ways, and your will, and, Father, that we can apply them to our daily walks. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that you would send your son here to die for us. We pray all things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll see you next week.